Welcome back, listeners. Today, we are continuing our new series, Growth Mode On, sponsored by our good friends at growthmatch.com. Growthmatch helps tech companies grow their audience, supercharge their sales, and activate thought leadership in their industry. They are turning entrepreneurs into thought leaders one video at a time and by utilizing fractional growth teams. You can learn more by checking out their website at growthmatch.com. Well, today I have another special guest on the Code Story podcast, Arun Sivashankaran, founder of Funnel Envy. In the past, he's been a startup and technology advisor through Impact Engine and has spent many years leading companies and consulting efforts. Arun, thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Noah. Before we go too far into our conversation today, tell my audience and myself a little bit more about you. As you said, I'm the founder of Funnel Envy right now, but I really come from a software engineering and technical background. Since I started, I've loved small companies and startups. And at a prior role in a prior company, I transitioned from engineering to sales, and I ended up loving that too. So I figured the only way to do both engineering and sales was to have my own company. So that's what I've been doing since then. Most of my experience has been in the enterprise, but you know, I did have some more consumer-oriented things that didn't go so well. So, you know, I attributed that to not knowing enough about, you know, the customers and and what they really needed. So I wanted to learn how to do that in a digital environment, how people use data to learn more about their customers and actually apply that knowledge. And that led me down the path of data-driven growth, experimentation, analytics, which ultimately brings me to Funnel Envy. Sounds like you've had a well-rounded entrepreneurial journey, and I, I really love the interesting mix of engineering and sales in you. That's, that's not something I hear very often, and that's super cool. Yeah, I enjoy both. So tell me about Funnel Envy. What does Funnel Envy do, and, and tell me a little bit about the history there. So we at Funnel Envy, we work with lead gen and SaaS businesses to optimize their inbound funnels. Now, what that actually means is the problem that we solve is that our customers have typically invested a lot in traffic acquisition, you know, paid ads, content, SEO efforts, but not enough of that traffic is converting into leads, customers, and ultimately revenue. So when we come in and optimize their funnels, ultimately what we're trying to do is lower their customer acquisition cost and increase the marginal return on, you know, that money that they're spending on acquisition. So, you know, when we started, we started as a conversion rate optimization agency, working with the sort of customers that typically engage through those kind of services. Over time, we decided to narrow our market focus to, you know, away from transactional consumer businesses like e-commerce to those businesses that have a longer customer journey and a longer funnel. Conversion rate optimization is a lot about A-B testing and experimentation, and that's still a large part of what we do, all the way from the UX strategy and hypotheses, running A-B tests, interpreting results, you know, et cetera. But over time, we've kind of expanded our services to include data, analytics, automation, and, and sometimes including our own tech. And we've moved in these directions because, quite frankly, a lot of our customers have, have really pulled us in, in, in those directions and as part of optimizing the funnel. And so ultimately, you know, Funnel Envy brings together a lot of the technical and engineering parts of my background, along with a very strong team, with the growth and marketing problems that we solve. I appreciate that that overview. This does bring up a question for me, you know, as you've walked through the history, what's the difference between, you know, on one side, revenue funnel optimization and then conversion rate optimization? What, how do you differentiate between those two? 
Conversion rate optimization is, is probably something that, you know, a lot of your listeners are familiar with. And that traditionally deals with, you know, conversions that are happening on the website and the activities kind of start and stop with the website. For a transactional e-commerce business, the, the sort of which that we used to work with, and we work with some very large e-commerce sites, you know, that's fine because, you know, the customer journey is short, people are buying right on the website. But as as I mentioned, you know, these days we work with sites and businesses that have a longer customer journey, which spans multiple sessions. And, you know, revenue often occurs after the initial website visit. So in those cases, it's not sufficient to only optimize the website conversions. And that's like leads or signups. The problem is that most of those leads, you know, aren't created the same as we know, especially if you're a B2B marketer. And just because someone signs up doesn't mean that they create recurring revenue for a SaaS business. So in that case, we need to go beyond, you know, traditional conversion rate optimization to consider the full revenue funnel. And that's why we call it revenue funnel optimization. The simplest example is tying the experimentation that we do to a measurement capability that looks beyond the website conversions to make sure we're actually affecting the KPIs that the business cares about. That can be qualified leads, pipeline, revenue. In the case of a SaaS business, you know, conversion from free to paid, all of those other other metrics that the go-to-market team cares about. This also means, of course, that we need to think about what happens beyond what's happening on the website. The pursuit of revenue funnel optimization, you know, can also include, you know, improving the customer's ability to attribute revenue to paid media campaigns predictive models that can shine a light on the expected value of a lead, or even automating some of the manual processes to get better reporting and insight. So it's really, what are the levers we can pull through data and engineering to ultimately create more, create a greater return on that acquisition spend? Okay. So you're obviously a you know, master in this space, right? You've got the engineering, you have the sales, you're optimizing funnels and conversion rates. What are the most important things that your customers should be testing on their websites? What's the number one thing? So again, I'm going to draw a distinction between our customers with longer customer journeys and funnels versus you know, more transactional websites. For our customers, cosmetic changes just won't do it. On a high volume e-commerce site, for example, you can change a button color, tweak the design a little bit. And because you can get a lift and spread that lift over millions of visitors who are buying in a single transaction, you can generate economics out of it. You know, that sort of cosmetic, somewhat superficial changes don't work or aren't, aren't really the bread and butter of what we do for our customers. We tend to focus on the offer itself, the thing that they are proposing to exchange with that visitor for something of value there contact information, their attention, you know, a conversation with sales, whatever it is. Very specifically, we think about the offer based on the intent of that visitor, where that visitor is in the customer journey. Are they top of the funnel, just trying to learn more about the solution? Are they mid-funnel, actively exploring solutions and alternatives? Or are they bottom of the funnel and, you know, engaged with sales or, or part of the lower funnel journey? So when we think about the offer that, that, you know, is being made, we look at how that offer is being framed and we get into the headlines, the positioning, the copy, the proof around that offer, the actual offer itself, and whether a visitor in the particular stage of the journey is likely to engage with it. And then, you know, how they actually exchange value for that offer. So what forms are they filling out? Are they going through chat? Are there other mechanisms that they're actually taking advantage of the offer? I'd say 80% of the value for a lead gen, demand gen, or SaaS business is in testing those elements around the offer and aligning it to visitor intent. Hmm. Well, that makes sense. Okay. That makes a ton of sense. 
So then what are companies doing wrong? I mean, I guess outside of getting that wrong, what are, what are companies doing wrong when it comes to optimization and, and conversion? Well, a lot of times they're just not doing it. I mean, we still, we work with very large organizations then very sophisticated lead gen and SaaS organizations that aren't doing it at all and aren't really testing, or they're not following a disciplined approach that minimizes the time to learning and action. I mean, it's really all about using data to learn about your customers and taking action on that as quickly as possible, and then scaling that activity. So if they're not doing it, often they just don't have the cross-functional team, which includes the strategy, the engineering, and data to ultimately execute on a program like this. And sometimes what we see is if they are trying to do it, optimization and experimentation, they're not really creating strong hypotheses that are backed by evidence and testing them quickly enough. And that's really what this all comes down to. It's the quality of the hypotheses that you create and the speed to test them and act on them. And and those are really the two elements that you can affect when it comes to optimization, but it's, it's hard to pull off. I'd say the final foundational problem that we see kind of comes back to marketing 101 is not knowing enough or focusing enough on your customer. There are, for example, a lot of places, people on Twitter and you know, there are other sites where they'll offer to, you know, take a look at your landing page, roast your landing page or your website. At the end of the day, who cares about what some random person on the internet says about your site or your landing page? It's really about what your customers think and how they're responding to your website that really matters and what you're trying to affect. So then how is the way that companies are thinking about their funnels changing. You know, maybe digging into some of the latest trends and innovations in funnel optimization is is where you could settle in on that on that conversation, but you know, tell me your thoughts there. How's it all changing? Piggybacking on my last answer about really knowing your customers, buyers are changing. And and the way that people buy online and engage online is is changing. Fundamentally, they're more educated than they ever were. In a B2B context, for example, they're not just picking up the phone and talking to sales. They're doing a lot more research online and they're looking at alternatives. They're checking out review sites. They're doing a lot of that potentially even before they come to your website and certainly before they're willing to talk to a salesperson. So they're moving further down the funnel digitally and often in other places before they really show intent on your site. That's probably the biggest shift. And a lot of the other changes are responses to that. So for example, product-led growth gets a lot of attention these days, especially in SaaS. And that's that idea of exposing a free or freemium version of your product, but also instrumenting that so you can see how those free trial users engage with the, the product itself, what kind of intent they have, and then ultimately using that information to you know convert them to paid and, uh, and a customer. Some of the other changes that we see certainly as we're talking about you know using data in marketing and growth relates to privacy, security, and compliance world because of things that started with GDPR, but you know increasing the other regulations really change the landscape of how marketers and growth teams deal with data and how they understand their customers. And then, the, you know, the final set of changes is ongoing, ubiquitous platform changes. Probably one of the biggest ones that our customers are affected with right now is the evolution from Google Analytics, Universal Analytics, the old version to GA4. And that's that's going to be nonstop. Platforms, tools, technologies are always going to change and growth teams just have to respond to and accommodate that. Well, that makes sense that, you know, that really relate to the product led growth and then the customer itself going further down 
you know, the, the journey, the buying journey before talking to sales. I think as a consumer and as a, you know, a business person, I've, I've seen that, that trend come about. Okay. So, so I'm a company owner. I, I want to optimize my revenue. What are the, what are the top questions I should be asking myself about? You know, my whole operation, my website, maybe it's a, you know, all of the things. What should I be asking when it comes to revenue optimization? You're going to start with some of the, the marketing and foundational principles, which is really understanding your customer. If Even if you don't have the scale to run a lot of experiments, start qualitatively. Talk to them. Ask them questions. Make sure you understand what they think about through that purchase journey and how they make decisions and what that process is and gather that kind of evidence. And then as you scale that activity up, get quantitative, validate that in your analytics and data. So you truly understand what your customers are doing, why they're responding and, and even why they're, they're not responding and choosing competitors. Once you have that understanding of your customer, make sure you have closed loop analytics. Ask yourselves, does the data that I have and that I'm capturing truly capture that entire customer journey? When we talk about closed loop analytics, that, that means, you know, moving out of kind of data silos where you have web analytics in one place, your CRM data, your product analytics, you know, not really combined into a single data set. If you have sufficient scale, you have a good measurement framework, start running experiments. And, you know, it's easy to run meaningless experiments if you really want to. Make sure you have good hypotheses that are backed in some of that data, that foundational data that you have about your customer, that information that you have, and push yourself to run those experiments and repeat that and make that a continuous motion within the organization. You know, ultimately, if you can do all of that, then there's going to be opportunities to automate, you know, automate some of those data processes like attribution and using, you know, predictive capabilities and, you know, adjusting your paid media so that you're able to respond quicker to your experiments, the results of those experiments, and ultimately that that customer knowledge that you're gathering. Awesome. Okay. So I hear you saying, you know, companies should, should know their customers, right? They should know how they're buying, what's important to them. And I think, I think they know this, but they may not be, you know, pulling in the right information or pulling in the information that's the most helpful or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. How should companies be improving their analytics to be able to know their customer better, to, to be able to, you know, optimize their revenue and conversion? And, you know, what sort of challenges are they facing in doing this? I could imagine, you know, some GPDR stuff would come up there or some data privacy things, but I'm really curious what you have to say there. You know, as I mentioned before, one of the biggest problems that we run into working with working with our customers is, is siloed data. Web analytics is, you know, might be owned by the, the marketing team. The sales team has their CRM. The product team has their own databases. There might even be a marketing automation platform thrown in there. And none of that data is, is unified. And there is no consistent view that visitor or that customer all the way from initial awareness through, you know, being customer and, and retention if, if, if it's a script subscription business. So, you have to kind of move beyond that silo data and, you know, ultimately and hopefully figure out a way to integrate that data set into a single source of truth, because ultimately that silo data is going to impede the ability for the overall team to get answers. And it's important that, you know, we think about the overall organization from the website team all the way through the sales team and, and even, you know, customer success, because it is a single customer journey. So unifying that data bringing that full funnel customer journey and full funnel visibility, you know, I think is, is, is really important and probably one of the biggest challenges that our customers face. 
in many cases, some of the out of the box reporting that you get from these platforms, whether it's Google Analytics, Salesforce, you know, Marketo, whatever your, your platforms are, they all come with some out of the box reporting, but that can be an impediment because it's only going to look at that siloed data. So, you know, if you can augment that with data warehouse and, you know, reporting capability on top of it, you're going to have much more flexibility in terms of your ability to understand, you know, your customers, the, the overall journey and, and the opportunities for optimization. I mentioned Google Analytics 4 earlier. It's something that it's, is a hot topic right now in our world. It's a microcosm of this problem. Just to give you an example, the old universal analytics, which is the older version of Google Analytics, had, had, you know, really good reporting that web teams got very comfortable with. The new version, GA4, which a lot of teams are being, or Google is forcing adoption of, doesn't have that great out of the box reporting and people are freaking out. But actually, you know, we think in our, our position on this is that can be a good thing because you can take that data from GA4, they've exposed capability to sync it with BigQuery, which is the data warehouse. And if you can change your mindset to not rely on that out-of-the-box reporting and use the data warehouse and build capability with it, that can actually unlock a lot of additional value and flexibility because you're not constrained by the sort of reporting and, and, and reports that you get from the built-in tool. And you can have a lot more flexibility. It does require a different mindset. It certainly requires different technical skills, but if you can get there, you know, you've, you've opened up a lot more capability than before. So this is, you know, some of the challenges that we, we commonly see when it comes to analytics and ultimately getting the insights that you need from your data to be able to, to take action and then optimize your funnel. Sure. That makes sense. What steps can lead gen or SaaS companies take to optimize their funnels for today's generation of decision makers? So those, those decision makers are changing. The customers are changing. People need to optimize their funnels differently. They need to know their customers. And you've mentioned kind of at a high level a few things, but let's put this all into a, a one answer. What steps can they start taking now? Well, they can get the measurement in place and they can run more experiments. And and that's really what it comes down to. So they can get the measurement in place to really be able to see what their customers are doing, understand the revenue funnel and measure and see where they're not engaging and, and, and come up with hypotheses about where they should and then run experiments to improve that. So to run experiments, you've got to be able to have evidence that, that if you change something that it will, it will have an effect and an effect on the KPIs that you care about. And then you have to be able to act on those hypotheses. So to actually be able to put that in place, you know, you often need a cross-functional team. You need people who can interpret the data, come up with those hypotheses, and then usually some developers, you know, designers to, to create those experiments and, and iterate on them quickly. And you often want to do that in kind of a way that's decoupled from your product or your backend engineering team, because ultimately you don't know. You have to, you have to look at those experiments that you want to you want to run on a risk adjusted basis and make a decision about is it worth pursuing or is it not relatively quickly and without incurring a lot of technical debt. So if you can actually build that capability to run experiments in a way that's decoupled from the back end team and gives you evidence about some of those crazy ideas and crazy experiments that you want to run and, and tells you if they're worth you know implementing in your product or in your solution. Ultimately, that's that's kind of the way you you build and mature a scalable testing and optimization framework. Well, last question, Arun. So you've talked about knowing the customer. You talked about different you know analytics things that can 
that people can do to optimize, to have better analytics, and so they can optimize their funnels and conversions. Well, why can't growth teams do this internally versus partnering with a company like Funnel Envy? Certainly, we work with a lot of mid-sized to large SaaS companies that have tons of very capable and strong engineers. But when it comes to what we do, which you can think of as growth engineering, probably the biggest barrier for the for the marketing and growth teams is not having the technical talent and expertise internally as part of their organization focused on those problems. What we do is very engineering centric, but product teams where, you know, there are a lot of engineers think in a very different way. Product teams are used to assuming the value of of a task or project that they're given and then making it fit into a certain resource load and timeline, you know, putting it into sprints and release plans. What they're not necessarily as good at is rationalizing the investment based on the risk-adjusted return of that project. So we think this might work. This is a hypothesis. We don't know. So how do we invest based on that uncertainty? When you start to inject that kind of uncertainty into a product roadmap, it becomes expensive to run those experiments and has huge opportunity costs because those engineers are expensive. They should be building product and maybe they shouldn't be pulled off to run uncertain experiments. If you can do that, though, if you can, you know, build a growth engineering team that has the capability to go fast, experiment, measure, learn, and then help the organization decide where to focus those, those, that incremental investment, then you really decouple that experimentation and optimization capability from your, your backend engineering team. And so that's where we come in. We help our customers and we work with the growth and marketing teams to do that experimentation, measurement, and learning in a fast and decoupled way. And the processes that we built to be able to do that, as well as some of the tools, allow us to iterate so quickly that we can then expand that to a number of other problems in in the same domain. So, you know, the short version of saying that is, you know, we're growth engineers, we report to the marketing team, and we bring them that technical capability that allows them to experiment in a way that doesn't tie up or bog down their their product or internal engineering teams. That makes total sense. Well, Arun, I really appreciate you being on the show today. I've learned a ton about revenue funnel optimization, conversion optimization, analytics, and how Funnel Envy is helping people do this in such a way that is not disruptive to their internal team structure of today. Really appreciate you being on the show. Absolutely, Noah. Appreciate you having me. Such an educational conversation with Arun, founder of Funnel Envy. I learned that the landscape is shifting and the customer journey is changing for people looking at your product. You have to know your customer. You need to validate this knowledge and you need to optimize your operations around your funnel and conversion. And Funnel Envy is well positioned to help you do this fast without taxing your expensive product team. As a reminder, you can learn more about GrowthMatch and their fractional growth teams and packages by going to growthmatch.com slash codestory. And thanks again for listening.